And um, they would take the day where they would just celebrate and thank God for the harvest. And, um, and so this festival, this Shavuot that they celebrate is the 50th day after uh, the Passover. And so we, we, we call it the day of Pentecost because this is the day that the Holy Spirit came to the planet. See, it's amazing that when you read through the, the Old Testament, you start to see patterns that God has. You start to see the patterns that God has. And uh, as I'm doing this, I, I realize I have this um, thing on my arm. It's like a barbed wire. And then it reminded me, this, see, I'm talking about the Shavuot, but I'm remembering yesterday. Now, isn't it funny how we do that? We're talking about something, but your mind is thinking about something else. Who's thinking about lunch right now? Put your hand up. There you go. See, yeah, 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 right now. I oh, know. You're thinking about the Holy Spirit, but lunch as well. It's incredible. It's your brain. Yesterday, we had the Future Hope Conference. Thank you, Pastor Sam and Carolina, for hosting this and, and allowing Josh and Bonnie to, to do that. So we wanna, I want to honor you guys for doing that. You know, talking about the future hope that is in God was excellent. It was brilliant. Really, really good uh, to see that. But, but this, is, this is what it was. And, and so God has these patterns, as you read through the Old Testament, pattern after pattern. God is not a God of chaos. God has order and purpose in everything He does. God just doesn't do anything because, you know what? I want to have a day off, so I'm going to go play Xbox or whatever cosmic it's called, whatever in the cosmic universe. Yeah, I, I, I want to, it's called what? X-Cosmic, excellent, cosmic box. It, it's, it, it's not like he's like, I'm bored of this now, so I'm just going to change everything. No, God does it with a purpose and a pattern. It's not hard to work God out in what he does. We may not understand the totality of the nature of God, but God in who He is and what He does, He put it down for us so that we can see His pattern. It's not, you know, it, it's quite incredible. It blew my mind when I first, uh, you know, started to walk with the Lord and I realized why Jesus was called the Lamb. I, I didn't know this. You know, no one would explain it. No one explained this to me. It was about 12 months or so after being in church and I realized, why are we singing about a Lamb, the Lamb that was slain, the blood of the Lamb? What does that mean? Why is there blood? Why is there the Lamb? Actually, it was the first time I went to church. They started talking about the blood of the Lamb. My first day, my first Sunday in church. And I thought, if they pull out an animal... I'm walking out of here, this is, and I'm calling the cops, right? This is, what I, this is what I'm thinking. This is my first time. New Christian, no idea, had no idea. But I didn't know why they called Jesus the Lamb, and I realized that He was the Lamb that was slain for all of eternity because, because the Jewish people had to slay a lamb, an animal, to have their sins forgiven. And every year, repeatedly, they had to do this, and they had to come and, and put their hands on the Lamb and confess their sins. Can you imagine, Josh, what that was like for the 10-year-old Johnny? 10-year-old Johnny has to come before his dad, the natural father, put his hands on the lamb and confess everything he did. Now, God may have forgiven him, but he's getting a whooping from dad straight after that festival. Let me tell you that right now. You did what? Also, you after That's exactly what he would have said. And so they confessed their sins over the lamb and the lamb was slain and, and for that year they were forgiven of their sins. And, and so when Jesus came, he was the lamb that was slain once and for everyone in all of eternity, done in all of the, all of the age. It was finished. And, and when I realized that, it was like, whoa, he, the lamb, that's amazing. It's incredible. And then you start to see the pattern. Well, hang on, he wasn't just the lamb, but he was actually slain and crucified right while the lamb... The, 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 the festival of the Passover was happening at the same time in the city. 
It wasn't some other time of the year. It was the exact same day when Jesus was getting beaten before he was crucified, when he was getting mocked and, and beard ripped out and the, thorn, uh, the crown of thorns pushed on his head. It was the exact same time they were preparing the lamb for, cruci- for, for death. It is quite incredible how that happens in the same way when, when the Holy Spirit came to the planet as promised by Jesus, it was the exact same time that something had happened in the Old Testament thousands of years earlier. It's incredible. It's not coincidence. When you look at those things, you've got to see there are many of these sort of lining up and patterns that God does that makes the Word of God so incredibly prophetic, amazing, and no other book in antiquity or in modern day lines up to the Word of God, to the Bible. Nothing. No other book, there's prophecies, as Josh was saying yesterday, that the prophecy of Daniel, one of Daniel's prophecies, was so accurate that the scholars started to think it was written after the fact, not before the fact, hundreds of years. Because it was too accurate. Nothing can be this accurate. And so these patterns are in there. And when you realize that, that why the Holy Spirit came, on what day, what it was, what happened, what are they celebrating on that day, it's quite mesmerizing. It's quite amazing to see how God rectifies and changes and shows His grace. You see, the Holy Spirit is not a force. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the Holy Spirit is, a, is an active force, not a person. Uh, about two months ago, three months ago, I get a phone call from a mother who was extremely concerned about her child, 19-year-old boy, who was going to church a little while earlier, a couple of years earlier, but stopped going to church because no one could answer his questions about God. Quite an analytical thinker. Stopped going to church as a 17-year-old or 18-year-old, and now, six, seven months later, he's gotten, he started going to the, to the Jehovah's Witness um, Temple Hall, or whatever they call it, the, the Kingdom Hall. And he started to go there and he started to try and evangelize his mum. His mum was not a Christian, grew up in church, but never went to church after that. And somehow she found our church phone number, gave us a call, and somehow it ended up in my desk. And so I answered the phone call and she's freaking out about her child. Would you mind meeting him? I said, I'll be happy to meet him, not a problem at all. Is he willing to meet? I don't want to meet him if you're going to force him to come meet me. That's not what, no, 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 he's meeting me. Oh, hang on, I just got a text from him. And this is, she's reading the text out to me. The text says, whoever you're going to get me to meet, they better have their Bible and their notes because I'm ready to go. (laughs) She's reading this to me. (laughs) Excellent. Let's meet tomorrow, 10.30. Now, let's go right now. I'm I'm thinking, put on the boxing gloves, you know. (laughs) Joking, joking. I don't argue the Bible anymore, actually. I used to try to argue the Word of God with people, but we're not here to argue the Word of God. I just tell you the truth. And then if you want to believe it, it's up to you. You know, it's, you know, it's so much easier being a Christian when you realize that it's not us that have to get people saved. Whew, the weight's off, man. It's not like God's going to go, you didn't get anyone saved this year. Well, it's not my job. My job is to disciple people, is to witness to them about the goodness and the love of God and to give them that love and goodness. It's up to them. The Holy Spirit leads them by His goodness and His kindness to repentance. And when they get there, I disciple them as new believers in Jesus. That's my job. What we sometimes do is we ask the Holy Spirit to do our job and we want to do His job. Because it's so much easier to walk to someone and say, come on, you need Jesus. And they give their life to God. Little on the belt. There's another one. And then we go, now, Holy Spirit, why don't you disciple them? (laughs) I'm going to go get someone else saved. 
Like, what are, you, what are we thinking? No, no, he says, you disciple him, I'll get him saved. And so, um, so this young man, this young man, uh, you know, he, he comes to me and, and he says, um, and there, there is a purpose for this story. It's not just a good story. It's a, it's, there's a purpose for it. Trust me. So 10.30 on Wednesday, a couple of weeks ago, uh, probably about eight weeks ago now, he comes into the cafe. His mum brings him. She says, do you mind if I'm there? I said, look, I'm happy if you're there. You can bring the whole family along. As long as he's okay with it, I'm fine. So she comes along and they sit down in the cafe and, uh, and he's got his... Uh, uh, new Watchtower translation, NWT, and I've got my New King James Version, and we're sitting there at, at, the, uh, at the table, and he opens up his, his, I can't even call it the Bible, he opens up this ludicrous translation, and he says, the reason why I say ludicrous, not because it's a holy text, but because it's an abomination of what this is. There's so many changes that have happened to it, and if you, if you don't agree with me, go and study how the NWT has changed every 30 or 40 or 50 years, depending on whoever's leading the Jehovah's Witness movement, and ask them, ask them who actually wrote the books. Who is made up of this Watchtower Society? Who's in it? It's a mystery. No one knows. This is what I love about the transparency of the Bible. We know exactly who wrote it, when they wrote it, who translated it, what their life was like, everything. There's transparency in it. And so, so he opened it up and he, started to, and he started to talk to me. Three hours went by. It didn't feel like three hours. It wasn't laborious. It was just quite amazing what God was doing in that moment. And by the end, of it, he was throwing all of the Jehovah's Witness scenarios at me. The Holy Spirit is a force. He's not actually real. Jesus is not the Son of God. He is actually Archangel Michael, who became a human, and now his name is Jesus. But he was, he was the firstborn of all. Uh, so he was born. He was begotten by God. He's not actually the Son of God. He isn't God himself. Okay, and as we talk through these, and I'm showing him scriptures. And then he wanted to meet a week later. So the following Wednesday, another three-hour session. This time his mum's not there. Now, by the way, his mum in that first three hours, Sam, it was quite funny. I, I was, because I was concentrating on him and looking at him the whole time, I hardly sort of looked at her. I didn't realise that until one time I looked at her and her face was like. <laughs> I said, are you okay? We're, we're talking. This is a lot of deep stuff here. She says, um, she says, no, no, I didn't know any of this. I went to church as I was a kid. I didn't know any of this. Keep going. And so she absorbed it all. Um, so this young man came back the following week. He came back three weeks in a row. I met with him on a Sunday. And then one particular Saturday, I get this text message from him, uh, which wasn't unusual because he was sending me these massive text messages. You know the text messages where you've got to scroll along, right? <laughs> when you've got to scroll seven times, I actually had to write down my answers on paper, old school, <laughs> so I could re-text them back to him, right? Like it's a... And so I realized that halfway through his text messaging, something changed. The, 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 the answers changed. The tone changed through the text messages. All of Saturday. Started at 9.30 in the morning, finished at 9 o'clock that night. I noticed about halfway through the day, the, the, the text message, they, they literally the tone. I realized <laughs> that what was happening was he was sending my answers to his Jehovah's Witness friend who was then answering the questions and he was sending them to me. Now it was a proxy war between the Christian and the Jehovah's Witness through this young man. And I realized what was happening. And so I said, I said to this young man, I said, look, 
I'm not having an argument. I told you because he wanted me to meet with his Jehovah's Witness friend. And, he, and I said, I'm not meeting with him. We're not having an argument. You don't need to see that. He says, no, I want you to meet with him. I want you to meet with him. And so he ended up giving him my number. We talked on the phone. And this young man says to me from the Jehovah's Witness uh, Kingdom Hall, says, look, I want to come and meet with you, um, but I'm going to bring an elder. <laughs> no, that's not happening, my friend. This is not happening. I'm not going to here to argue with you. You believe what you believe. You've got all the answers to whatever you want. If you really want to know the truth, then you come to me. This young man, I started to see that he was starting to pull away from, from church. He was starting to pull away from what we were talking about, about God. He started to pull away quite, quite extensively to the point where I was speaking to him most days. And then three or four days went by and I didn't hear from him. A week went by and he wasn't replying to my text. And I thought, his Jehovah's Witness friend has pulled him back to that side. I thought, you know, God, I've done what I can. I've loved this young man. I've, I've tried to answer all these questions as best as I can. Because my heart broke that he didn't know. Or he, went, he went to a church many years ago where he would ask the, the pastor or the youth pastor or the, or the leaders of the church some questions about the Bible and they didn't know how to answer it. Not that they needed to have answers for every question, but they had answers for none of his questions. That was concerning. The Bible clearly tells us in Peter that we need to have an answer, a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You don't need to be a theologian or a scholar, but, you, but the answer of just have faith, brother, doesn't cut it anymore. Just have faith, brother, used to work in a generation where they grew up in Sunday school. A generation that knew a little bit about God because he was spoken of at home or at school or, at, or they'd go to mass at church on a, on a, or during the week with, with their school. And there was that work for a generation. But now that we live in a generation where people don't know, care, worry or believe in God, let alone Jesus. They don't believe he exists. And so that doesn't work anymore as much as let me try and show you why I have a faith in God. Let me show you why the Bible is true. Let me show you why it's unique. It's not like the Quran. It's not like any other holy text that's out there. The Bible is unique. And so, and so because there were no answers, this young man walked away. And so I thought to myself, God, I've given him all that I can. And so I said, God, it's up to you. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. I'm going to leave him. I'm there available. I'll try and keep in contact. And I will just leave him to you. And I remember praying that prayer on a Thursday. Sunday night, I, I, we're down in the green room. We're finishing off the pre-service meeting. Uh, I get up. The service had started. I walk up. I walk into the front where, where we normally stand on a Sunday night. And I look over. We normally sit on that side of the auditorium. And I look over and there's a, like a mosh pit, you know, in the, in the front in Brisbane, if you've never been there, with all the young people. And he, this young man, this young man who was battling the Jehovah's Witness belief system, was in the front, right at the stage, hands up, praising God. And I thought, what is happening here? How, how is he here? So I, I whispered to one of the youth leaders, I want you to make sure you, you look after this young man. Make sure you have some guys around him answering any questions he needs to. He, I can't believe he's here. I'm shocked that he's here. And sure enough, he, he stayed for the service. He came out for the altar call at the end and, and, um, and gave, his, gave his life to God that Sunday night. And, um, and so Monday, Monday morning, I get a phone call from him and I'm talking to him. Uh, and, he, and, I, and I said, man, I saw you there. This is amazing. What, what happened? He said, I don't know. I just felt like I needed to come to church on Sunday. And I said, great, great, man. That's excellent. We had a bit of a chat. Three days later, this thing happened. You've got to realize that the biggest thing with the Jehovah's Witness belief system is that 
we need to stop using the name of Jesus because he's a nobody. It's, their whole mission is to restore the name of Jehovah. That's the mission. We need to come back to the word Jehovah. As a matter of fact, so much so that they've taken away any reference to God as Jesus and made it Jehovah. Any reference that spoke a curious a curios name about, about Jesus as in that he is God, they would change that to Jehovah, meaning the Father. No, no, it's not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Father. And that was the big thing. And so that was one of the biggest things he had was, I don't need to believe in Jesus. I can just believe in the Father. And then this particular day, a few days later after that conversation, after he'd given his life to God, he sent me this text that said this. He said, George... I've found some scriptures that make me believe that Jesus is the Son of God and is God and that we need to worship Him like God. Uh, and I was very rude to you and arrogant to you when we first spoke. Please forgive me for that. I know that Jesus is my Lord and Savior and that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Wow! Now, I give you the story to tell you that that revelation wasn't from me. That was from the Holy Spirit. That was from the Holy Spirit, this young man who gave his life to God out of faith, out of a belief in God. And, and even though he didn't understand the totality of what it was, but he just went with what he knew was happening on the inside, the Holy Spirit was faithful and showed him. Why? Because Why do I know it's not me, Sam? Because I showed him those scriptures 14 times. I argued those scriptures with him 10 times. Like, mate, I don't know how many other scriptures to show you. Here are the four scriptures that show you Jesus is the Son of God. He's God, man. I'm ripping my pages out of my Bible. I mean, look at it. It was brand new until I met with him. <laughs> and and it wasn't, so it wasn't me. It was that moment where he just allowed the Holy Spirit to talk to him. And he just went, I believe. See, this is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so wonderful to me. The Holy Spirit is so real to me. The Holy Spirit is not an a active force. He is God. He is the Spirit of God, the Most High God. He is God. This is why when you go to the, to the book of Genesis and you read the first couple of verses, the first three verses, in the beginning was God. That word God, we read it as God. Uh, in, the, in the Hebrew, it actually talks about God's. It's quite amazing how the Hebrew people don't believe in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yet a lot of what they do mentions Father, Son, like three in one. For instance, during the Passover, this is how funny this is. There are three pieces of flat bread. They pull out the middle one and they break it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus pulled out broken. Shh, don't tell anyone. It's quite incredible how many rituals and pictures and imagery there is in the Jewish faith that alludes to God being three in one. And so this, 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 this idea that the Holy Spirit is just this genie in a bottle is so wrong. We can treat the Holy Spirit like He's just someone who does stuff for us, but the Holy Spirit is God. You know, in the Old Testament, it was God the Father that was prominent on the earth. In, in the three years that Jesus was on the planet, or, or the 33 years, it was God the Son who was the most prominent on the earth. But now we're in the age where the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is the most prominent on the earth. 
God the Holy Spirit is the one that leads us into all truth. He's the one that, that walks with us daily. He's the one that guides us. Yes, the Holy Spirit leads us because they work in perfect unity. You've got to understand this. The Holy Spirit leads us to Jesus. Jesus leads us is the way to the Father. The Father sends the Holy Spirit. They work in a perfect divine dance. They give of each other 100% to each other. The Father gives to the Son. The Son gives to the Spirit. The Spirit gives to the Father. The Father gives to the Spirit. They're giving of each other 100%. It's a divine dance. They it's a constant, it's perfect union, perfect love, perfect hope, perfect, rela- perfect relationship. God the Father has never had to th- say to himself, I wonder what Jesus is thinking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has never had to say uh, to himself, what was that look that Jesus just gave me? <laughs> that was weird. Oh no, he said the word fine. He's not fine. They never have to do that. It's a perfect connection. Can you imagine relationship that way? Imagine relationship where you never have to ask, what are they thinking? How have I hurt them? Why did they say this? Why have I done that? Why did they do this? What does that mean? How do I make this better? Why can't they just tell me the truth? I can't speak up. Imagine having a relationship where you don't have to ask any of those questions, but you know wholeheartedly, 100%, the divine beautiful dance that can happen in that relationship. And that's what marriage is, a, a snapshot. It's almost like a, a copy of what this relationship with God is meant to be like. And, and God didn't make humanity because he needed a companion. <laughs> if you think God needed friends and that's why he made us, woo, you're serving the wrong God. God didn't need man. He doesn't need man. Because if he needed man, what was he doing for all of eternity while we weren't there? Bored out of his brain? Well, I better make something. No. It was out of the divine dance and the amazing overflowing love that was between all of the, uh, the Godhead, between the three in one, and that amazing giving off each other. It was out of the abundance of that love that God said, let us make man in our own image and likeness. Why? Why are we the only ones in creation that are in his image and likeness? Because we are the only ones that are now invited to come be partake of this divine dance. It was out of that amazing love that God said, let's make another being that can come join us in this divine dance. That can come partake of this perfect union and relationship. And as free will does, we decided, stuff that. I don't need that. I'll have a fruit. Isn't that funny how we still do this, right? You know what? I don't need God. I'll just do my own thing over here. It's much better. It's such a human trait to do this. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is real. Jesus himself in the book of Luke speaks about it. You can read it in the book of John, in Matthew. He speaks about, I've got to go so that you can have the gift. Because when I go, something better is going to happen. I mean, he's a man that lands, he's God, lands on the planet, healing the sick, raising the dead, changed all of eternity. This, the eternity time changed, eternal time or, or age time changed from, you know, BC and AD, all of that radically changed this world, this planet. Yet he goes, I've got to go and I'm praying that my father sends his spirit. 
And when the Spirit comes, man, He's going to lead you into all truth, to all righteousness. He's going to, he's going to love you. He's going to do all these things for you. Uh, uh, he's going to be there with you. He's going to counsel you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to love you. He's going to wrap His arms around you. Jesus is saying, you want the Holy Spirit. Trust me. The Holy Spirit is beautiful. The Holy Spirit doesn't come, is, is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit, I remember hearing um, Bill Johnson, you know, the, the senior pastor of, of Bethel Church in America. He said, imagine if the dove lands on your shoulder and you want that dove to stay on your shoulder. How would you act differently? Would you be abrupt? Would you yell? Would you have abrupt movements? Would you run? Would you scream? Would you, or would you be gentle? Would you be soft? Would you be careful in how you respond to situations? You see, the picture of the Holy Spirit as a dove wasn't just a great picture. It was a picture of one of the attributes of the Holy Spirit, his gentleness, his gentlemanness, his, his kindness. The Holy Spirit doesn't invade you because you decide to give my life to God. We've got to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us that salvation as a seal of a guarantee. It's a guarantee. The Bible says it's a, it's a seal that says that you now belong to God and that, that you're assured of your salvation. You've got that. But the Holy Spirit on you is something you have to ask for. You have to ask. It's called receiving the Holy Spirit. And it's, a, it's, it's where you come and you say, Holy Spirit, come and be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to dwell within me and to shadow me. See, the Holy Spirit in you is for you. The Holy Spirit on you is for the world around you. This is why we ask to receive the Holy Spirit, to walk in the power and the gifts that God has given us so they can be activated in us. See, it's the Holy Spirit who stopped. You know, when, when, I, was, when I was thinking about this message and about today, I, I started to think about all of the moments that I remember the Holy Spirit. And I can guarantee you, if you go back, if you've been baptized in the Spirit of God and you've been walking with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit guiding you, I guarantee you, if you go back and think of your life, there'll be moments where you thought it was your idea or moments where you thought, oh, that was coincidental. Well, really, it was the Holy Spirit. I remember it was the Holy Spirit that stopped my wife and I from driving home one Sunday night because we, we, we're getting home. We've got three kids in the car screaming. They're tired. Sunday night, it's late. It's nine o'clock. And 100 meters before we get home, God asks us to turn the car around and go back and see this car that was parked on the side of the road. It looked like there was no one in it. But when we drove over there, because it was a dark street, it was a guy gassing himself, trying to kill himself in the car. So we were able to get out and turn off the car, and, and this man is, is alive today. It was the Holy Spirit that, that has spoken to me and stopped me and asked me to speak to someone. I thought it was just... Well, maybe it's a great idea to go talk to this person because maybe that's what I should do as a Christian. But it was the Holy Spirit that stopped and got me to speak to someone and sow a seed. At that moment, it didn't look like there was anything in particular, but a few short weeks later, when you see their life radically changed, God was doing something in their life. Nothing to do with me. How many times have you heard, felt something and acted on it and it was the Holy Spirit? It was the Holy Spirit who only a few short years ago, a couple of years ago, I was sitting with a good friend of mine before he, would go, he moved down, to, he moved down to, um, to Melbourne. If I can have the, the, the keyboard us up, please. Who moved down to Melbourne to, um, 
to get a job. He'd move his family, his wife and two children, and, and they moved to Melbourne. And, and just before he, he went to move down, I, 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 had, I knew him. He, he'd moved over from Zimbabwe, and, and we became good friends. And we sort of took him under our wing. He was 17 when he came, and, and now at 26, he was moving to, to Melbourne. And, uh, and I thought, let's go out to lunch, man. I'm not going to see you for a while now. And so I took him out to lunch. And while we're sitting there at this place having ribs and wings, you know, as you do, let's go to lunch, let's get, let's roll out of there, right? So we're having lunch and right in the midst of that lunch, I now know, I know it's the Holy Spirit because we incline our ear to the Spirit of God. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, why aren't you starting your own business? This was two years ago. And I turned to him and I said, why aren't you starting your own business? And he sort of jerked a bit and said, why would you ask me that? He said, oh, just a question. I don't want to influence him and say, oh, because God told me. Because sometimes we can spiritually manipulate people, can't we? That's a whole nother discussion. I said, well, it's just a question. And for the next two hours, we spoke about what that would look like. He, moved, he got in the car and drove straight to Melbourne from that lunch. Two weeks later, he gave me a call and says, George, I can't stop thinking about what you said to me. He said, I've done up, I'm doing up a business plan. Can you help me with it? And in the course of that conversation, he asked me to come on as a business partner. Now, together we run a business in body corporate management that he's moved back up to Brisbane and, uh, and it's been running for over a year and it's killing it. He's killing it. From a young man who was going to work for someone else again, God spoke to him and he took that. You know what could have happened in that moment? I could have said, I'm not going to ask the question. I could have actually said, asked the question and he could have gone, nah, too hard. And today, nothing would be different. He'd still be in Melbourne working for this great company, doing what he does. Nothing wrong with that. But now he's on a trajectory of, of what he's doing. But it was more so for me also. Because I remembered only a few short months earlier at a Faith Love Hope offering. I remember going, God, I'm on a pastor's pay and I've got five children. Something's not working out here. I've got skill sets and I don't want to have to leave the ministry to, to, to be able to look after my family and do what we want to do further and be able to do things with what you've given us. What, what, God, surely there's something that you could use my skill set for where I could still do what I do and what you've called me to do, but, but earn more for my family. And like all of you are going to do in the next few weeks, we went up to the, to the cross and we nailed that request and our praise report of what God has done in our lives. And we put in some finance and it was, wasn't much. See, we have this idea that when I give to God, it's because I'm going to receive. No, I just believed. And I was asking for days before, for weeks before, God, surely there's something. Surely there's something, God. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to have the audacity to believe that I could still be a minister of the gospel, but be a part of something that can produce more income for my family, that I could be a proper provider for my family. Because you say, you're my provider. You look after all our needs. I'm going to believe you on what your word says. I'm going to believe you. And I didn't just wait there. Here's the key. I didn't just wait there and go, Look at the mailbox, no check. Go next week, look at the mailbox, no check again. Look at my bank account and my app. No one's put money in my account. Look at my bank account again. Well, no one's blessed us again. Well, stuff you got, this doesn't work. No. Because when that word came to ask him that question, <laughs> there was 12 months of preparation. I would go to work 
at City Point. Meet with people, do what I did, preach the gospel, do it, and then get home. But while my wife's doing hair and makeup at home, I'm sitting in my office at home and uh, working for three, four hours a night, building websites. Like, who even knows? I didn't even know how to build a website 12 months ago. Looking at business cards, finding out strategies, trying to build certain evidence. We'd have ideas, come up with video content, uh, build this business, set up the do all of the work every single night for 12 months while he was in Melbourne and I was in Brisbane. That one word. Why don't you think about starting your own business? Led to 12 months worth of work and now a blessing. See, sometimes we want God to do everything. Sometimes we want God, God, well, I've done my bit. I gave you my, my money. I gave you my prayer. I gave you my, but trust me, James said this very clearly. Faith without works is dead. We need to be a part of this. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. That's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He works with us. It's the same Holy Spirit that gave us that, that gave me that sentence that stopped us to, that stopped us to, to um, you know, with the guy in the car. Uh, same Holy Spirit that when my daughter told me, it wasn't me that threw the peas in the toilet. Yeah, the Holy Spirit just told me it was you. Okay, it was me, it was me. Teaching me how to parent. He's teaching me how to parent. I know that may sound weird to people, but, but the Holy Spirit teaches me how to do things. And if I'm listening, I'll be a better husband. When I'm not listening, I'm a suck for husband. Ask my wife. She's laughing, going, yep. Because I was not taught by my father how to be a great husband. I was taught how to be a good dad because he was a good dad, a good provider, but he wasn't a great husband to my mum back then. And so I was not taught on how to be a good husband. But the Holy Spirit teaches me how to be a good husband. The Holy Spirit teaches me how to be a better dad. The Holy Spirit talks to me on, on to stop in my tracks when I am, when I am uh, uh, lazy or when I'm busy, when I haven't put time in my schedule to stop for people. That if I'm listening to Him, He'll say, stop and talk. Stop and pray. Stop and look. Holy Spirit is God with us. He will walk with you, talk with you, dine with you, commune with you. I'm not saying at dinner time you need to have a spare chair and cutlery and food on a plate for the Holy Spirit, okay? I'm not saying you have to do that. I've been to dinner parties where that's happened, trust me. I know. A little bit weird, but anyway, whatever. I'm saying making room for Him in here and in here so that He can speak to you. And today after this service, because it's Pentecost Sunday, we want to give you the opportunity right over here in the front. One of our pastors and leaders will be here to pray with you if you've never received the Holy Spirit, if you've never done that step, you've never gone, you thought, oh, maybe I don't need it, maybe I, I don't understand it, I don't want it. I don't want to speak in tongues. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the speaking in tongues bit. It's okay. It's fine when you receive the Holy Spirit. If the new language comes out at that moment, four days later, 10 days later, it's okay. Don't freak out about it. People, I see people stumble. I don't want the Holy Spirit because I don't want to be doing shakarabundiri, but it's just my undies, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I don't want to be doing this stuff. And they freak out about it. But the speaking in another language is powerful. It is amazingly powerful. The Bible says that we declare the things of heaven. We speak in heavenly language. We edify ourselves. It builds up our spirit when you speak in other tongues. It's unbelievable when you speak in tongues. But don't let that trip you up to receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. And then let's see 
all these things that we activated in you, walking in power and in might, in His glory. So straight after the service when we close, I'll remind you again to come down the front and we'll do that. Let's close our eyes this day. And Father, I thank you for your blessing and your honour. And right now in this house, there are some people maybe who are hearing me speak about the Spirit of God and about the Son of God and God the Father. And, and to you, it's, this is normal, but to others, it's a relationship that you don't really have. It's a relationship that you don't really have. Right now, while our eyes are closed, I want to give you this invitation today that if Jesus is not the one that you've started to walk with, you've not accepted Him into your life and asked Him to walk with you, then that's the first step into receiving the Holy Spirit. You receive God the, the Son who leads us to the Father and then He gives you God the Holy Spirit. So while our eyes are closed in this place, I just want to give you a moment, an invitation, that if you've not received Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from Him, then please raise your hand here today and I just want to pray with you where you sit. If that's you in this place, I'm just going to look over this auditorium. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, mate. I see your hand just over here. Is there anyone else that wants to do that? I'm going to pray. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you, man. I see your hand. Thank you, guys. And church, I want us all to repeat this prayer, especially those ones who raised their hands here today. A heartfelt prayer from the depths of our soul. Let's all pray together and join those ones and join with them as, as family as they say this out loud all together. Heavenly Father, today I thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you that you sent your Son to die for me. I ask that you forgive me of all of my sin, all of my past, all of my mistakes. As of today, they are washed clean by the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. I am a new man. I am a new person, a new creation. The old has died as of this moment and I'm alive in Jesus. In your name, amen. Amen. Let's give him a great big hand and say welcome. Such a good decision. Such a great, great decision. Now, if you did just put your hand up here today or you were thinking about it, please go straight to our Yes Desk, which is out in the foyer, and, um, and we'd love to talk to you about that. But even if you'd put your hand up today, you know, today would be a great day for you to receive the Holy Spirit. Today is a perfect day. You may not understand it in your mind what's happening. You may, you may not, you're hearing me speaking about it. Oh, I think I want that. I think I want that. I don't know. Well, today, let's, let, let us help you with that journey. The power of God is in His Spirit. He will walk with you so powerfully. Being, I, I, can't, I can't even understand what it means or fathom to be a Christian, a disciple of Christ without the Holy Spirit, without His guidance, His love, His, His compassion, his mercy and His constant speaking to me. And so I want to I want to implore you today, come receive the Holy Spirit. Josh, you're going to be down here at the front and, uh, and straight after the service is done, please come down. We'd love to pray with you. But today has been a good, good day. Good day.